right, let me ask you a question. That's how we're going to start this thing off today. How many of you have ever had somebody say something to you or about you that wasn't so kind or so good? Yeah, every single person, really quick. Happened to me more times than I would have liked, for sure. But here's the tough question. Here's the real question. How many times, or how many of you, let's just ask that, how many of you have actually said something not so good to or about somebody else? Exactly. How many of you have said something not so nice about me? No, I'm just kidding. Don't, don't answer that. Just a joke. <laughs> right. It should be everybody. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, see, we've, we've all tripped up in this area. We've all said some things about people or to ourselves that just weren't good, that weren't kind, that weren't loving. For me, if I'm being completely honest with you, and some of you all know my story, growing up, I was not the most kind person. Um, I, was, I was a jerk, to be honest. Like, I've, I've come to terms with this. I was not a, a, not a kind person. I, I was popular in, in middle school and high school because I could play sports. And, um, but I was, the reality was I was very insecure, very insecure. And so how I dealt with that was, like most bullies do, is they put other people down to make themselves feel better. And so unfortunately, I made um, a lot of people made their lives really rough. And that's something that still haunts me today that I, that I have to battle and struggle with as a part of my past. And I've owned it and I've sought forgiveness for that. But one of my missions now is to, to love as many people as I possibly can and be as kind because that's who we're supposed to be. And, and so I'm sure you've all heard songs or sang the song like Sticks and Stones may break my bones, but what? Right, words can never hurt me. But let's be honest with ourselves. Words hurt, right? They're, they can hurt. They're not fun when we're hit with negativity. The other thing that we see is that words are incredibly powerful. In fact, Dr. Andrew New, uh, Newberg, a, a neuroscientist, and Mark uh, Waldman, they, they wrote this book called Words Can Change Your Brain. And within this book, they talk about how a single word has the power to influence the expressions of genes that regulate both your physical and your emotional stress. It, it's that, words are that powerful. A positive word such as love or peace can alter the expression of genes, strengthening the area in your frontal lobe that will then um, increase your brain's cognitive performance. It will lead to you being more productive. It leads to you actually taking action in life. That's what positive words can do. But equally, hostile words, harsh words, hateful words, they can disrupt specific genes that play a key part in the production of neurochemicals that protect us from stress. Now you see, part of our like primal brains is, is worry is a part of that, fear is a part of that, because it protects us, right? It protects us from um, death, right? 
This is what I mean, we have to have that. If we don't have any fear whatsoever and any worry whatsoever, that's, that's equally not a good thing, right? But, but a single negative word can increase the activity in your amygdala, which is the fear center of your brain, and it releases dozens of stress-producing hormones. One negative word releases dozens of stress-producing uh, hormones and neurotransmitters, which will interrupt your brain's functioning. One negative word. Angry words send an alarm message through your brain that actually partially shuts down the logical and reasoning center located in your frontal lobes. This is how powerful words can be. It has a physical effect. It reshapes and creates these neural pathways in your brain that are not healthy for you. But positive words can do the same in a, in a good way. So needless to say, the words that we choose to use are incredibly powerful. But this isn't anything new. Exactly. He's like, yep. This isn't anything new. Really, all this is is, is taking more scientific details into what we read in Scripture. I was talking to my wife about it last night. Like, I love, like, I'm, I'm a math and science person, and I love, like, a lot of people, like, it, with faith, they don't understand how to wrestle with faith and science. Like, I love watching them work together beautifully because it's God's creation, right? And so, really, all of this scientific and neurological research, all that it's showing is exactly what we read in Scripture, Scripture has so many passages of Scripture about the importance of your words. Like if you want to go do a Google search of it, and you're going to find just verse upon verse upon verse upon verse about guarding your tongue, watching what you say, speaking kind words, how powerful words are and how powerful they can be. In fact, the majority of James chapter 3 is dedicated to talking about how powerful words are. So I'm just going to take a moment and actually want to read James chapter 3, starting in verse 2, and we're going to read through verse 12. So um, if you want to join with me, if you have your Bibles with you or on your phone, or you can watch it up here on the screen, it's all good. So James chapter 3, verse 2 says, Indeed, we all make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. Basically, right there, what he's saying is that if you can control your tongue, you control everything else because the tongue is the hardest thing for us to control. We can control what we say. We could be good. He continues. He said, we can make a large horse go wherever we want it by means of a small bit in its mouth. A small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire. For it, for it sets on fire by hell itself. Plenty of us have seen... Someone's whole world set on fire by some words that they had to say, right? We see it all the time. 
He continues, people can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises the Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. He says, surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out both fresh water and bitter water? Do fig trees produce olives and grapevine produce figs? No, you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. Just as a small bit is powerful because it can lead a horse, a huge horse, wherever the rider wants it to go, or the rudder of a ship can make that huge ship turn, and it's small. A small spark can create chaos, setting a whole forest on fire. He said, that's how powerful your words are. They are powerful. And so today, we're beginning this new three-week series uh, of messages titled, Choose Your Words. Choose your words because as followers of Jesus and as his church, especially here in 2021, it is critical, critical that we choose our words and we choose them wisely because our words are powerful. The last thing that anyone wants is another Christian spouting off at the mouth hate, fear, negativity, destruction. The world's had enough of that. They're ready to see people actually live and act and speak like Jesus. Speak like the person that they claim to believe in. That's what the world's waiting for because our words are powerful. In fact, King Solomon, probably I've said it before, the wisest dude, one of the wisest dudes to ever do this thing called life, right? He said this about the power of our words. And this is going to be our key scripture throughout this series. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, he writes, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Your words have the power of life and death. That means you can choose to speak words of life, or you can choose to speak words of death. You choose your words. And with this understanding today, we're going to kick this series off, and I want us to focus on the words that you choose when you're speaking to or about somebody else. Because we have to understand today, again, maybe more than ever, that how you speak to others matter. How you speak to other people matters. In our social media age of keyboard warriors, we've lost sight of this, I think, as believers and as the church. We think that we can just rattle off anything we want to say because we're feeling a certain type of way and that it's okay, and it's not. Your words are powerful. It's a small spark that can set a forest on fire, leave a wake of devastation for miles and miles and miles and days and days and days. As Christ's followers and as the church, we are representatives of Jesus. You may be the only Jesus that somebody sees, and your words, the only words that they hear. 
so your words matter. If your words can actually change someone's brain, change someone's brain functioning and the way they feel and the way they act, then your words matter. You have a huge responsibility that you take on every time you open your mouth. So for me, that means I take a lot of responsibility because I open my mouth a lot. All my family's like, yes, he does. But think about it. Think about that time that you were having a great day, right? You're going through your day, things are running smooth, everything is great, and then all of a sudden, you see one negative thing that someone says about you, or you hear one negative thing that someone says. Maybe it's not even about you, it's just negative in nature. And then all of a sudden, your day starts to crash, right? You go from having a great day to being miserable, to being kind of in a funk, you're stressed out, you're in a bad headspace, and it's all because of someone's negative words, either to you or about you, Maybe they went off on your, one of your posts, whatever. But it has the power to honestly, we let it ruin our day. On the flip side, think about those times you've been having a bad day. You started off the day, just woke up, not feeling it. Uh, we've all had that, right? You have those days you just wake up, really nothing really happening. You just, I'm not feeling it today. And then everything goes wrong that whole day, and you're just, you're just frustrated. Just, just a bad day. And then someone speaks some positivity over you. They encourage you. They tell you, hey, you know what? I like your hair today. I like your outfit today. Your shoes are fire. Whatever it might be. And it begins to boost your spirits. Your day starts getting just a little bit better because, again, our words are powerful. Solomon also wrote in Proverbs 12 that the words of the reckless pierce like a sword. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. We see that in our lives. We've all been pierced with that sword, unfortunately. But we've all also been, had that healing touch of a positive word, of encouragement. So how you speak to others matter. And I think we all know that, right? In our head, we know that. But the reality is, in this fallen world, it's not always easy to want to speak positive words to people it's not always easy to want to do that sometimes because of that the fact that we're flawed people like it's challenging like james says no one can tame the tongue so that's just the way it is it's not always easy to be positive and say positive things about and to people right when that coworker of yours that's always annoying and they're always on your nerves and they never do what they need to do and it creates more work for you, it's hard to say positive things to them, right? If you're a supervisor or a director or whatever and you've got that one employee that just constantly slacks off, does the minimum just to get by and stay out of trouble, it's frustrating, right? Or maybe your, your husband one day is just like, well, you didn't tell me that. How was I supposed to know? And you've actually told them that like 20 times. They just weren't listening, I don't, that's not experience in my household whatsoever. But Jim would probably tell you it's not easy to say positive things in that moment. Or maybe your kid's teacher is more of a discourager than an encourager. And your kid doesn't want to go to school. 
hard to say positive things about. When someone that you love, someone in your family, a close friend, hurts or betrays you, it's hard to want to say positive things to them. It's reality. When that keyboard warrior sounds off on your, on your post, it's not easy. When someone rear-ends you in the drive, drive-through at Starbucks while you're trying to get your coffee, it happened to me this week. Don't want to say positive things. I did. I smiled. I got out. Go me. Did y'all know how I am with drive-thrus? Well, we'll just stay on that when that guy from Texas, right? Roger Bumper, cuts you off. Frustrates you. Pisses you off. You don't want to say positive things. When someone hurts someone you love, whether it be emotionally saying something bad or maybe even physically, it's not easy to want to say positive things. When we're faced with difficult, frustrating, and hurtful situations, it can be extremely difficult and challenging to choose your words wisely. And it's not only just saying it to them, but just saying it about them. It's not good for our spirits. It's not good for our souls to walk around and just talk negative to people, even if they don't hear it. It's not good. But thankfully, when we're in those difficult situations, right, we have a role model. We have a great role model. When we look to Scripture, as we should always go to Scripture, we see that Jesus was the perfect role model in how to handle these situations when it's very difficult, very difficult, to want to say positive things and speak positive things and choosing our words. He models it for us, and he models it beautifully. See, because there were so many times throughout his life that he could have sounded off on people, said a lot of, lot of things, a lot of hurtful things, a lot of negative things. He faced a lot of the worst-case scenarios. He experienced it all, but he handled it with wisdom, love, Grace and mercy. Never was he reactive and unkind and harmful with his words. Never. And if I was in even a little bit of one of his situations, I probably would have lost my cool and said a lot of things. Had to make a lot of apologies afterwards. But not Jesus. He's perfect. He knew we would struggle with this. And so we have this beautiful model and all these examples of how to choose our words wisely just as he chose his words wisely because that is what we are to do as followers of Jesus. We are called to imitate and model him every step of the way. And that includes how we talk to other people. So for the rest of our time today, I want us to look at three different situations that Jesus was in, three incredibly difficult and challenging situations that he found himself in, and we're going to see exactly how he chose to respond in those moments and how he responded to the people that were involved in those situations. And the first situation we're going to look at is found in in Luke chapter 4, which comes right after Jesus was baptized, and then he spent 40 days in the wilderness being tempted by the devil. And that's what he's coming fresh off of. And so he goes back to his hometown in Nazareth. He goes into the synagogue um, on Sabbath day, and he stood up, and he read 
um, scripture, which was part of their custom. That's what they did. And so he read scripture, and then he spent some time speaking to the people. And like always, whenever he spoke, people were amazed at the things that he said. They were amazed at the authority that he spoke with. And so these people were like, well, isn't this Jesus that grew up like down the road? Like, isn't that Joseph's kid? They're like, well, if you are who you say you are, if all this is true, like, do a miracle. Like, prove yourself. Prove to us that you are who you say you are. And when Jesus was like, no, I'm not going to do that, and then he goes on to say that no, that no prophet is accepted in his own hometown, bro, they didn't like it. They didn't like that he said those things. They didn't like that he wasn't going to perform those miracles. So let's jump into this account here in Luke 4, and we're going to start reading in verse 28. And we're going to see how this plays out and how the people acted and how Jesus responded. So verse 28 says, all the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, and they took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built and in order to throw him off the cliff. They were pretty upset. I mean, they were about to kill him. A lot of times what they would do, they would go up to a cliff, even if it wasn't like this huge cliff and the fall would kill them, they would take them to the cliff to throw them off it, and that would be like the first part of beginning to stone somebody. So Jesus was in a, in a, in a tough spot right here, okay? And it says, but he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. For one this was actually a miracle of itself, in and of itself, right? Because all these this angry, murderous mob was after him, and it says he just kind of walked through, untouched, unharmed. He walked right through there. But the main thing that I want you to see is how Jesus chose to respond. When the people in his hometown were ready to kill him, had his back to a cliff, Jesus chose to say nothing. Jesus chose to say nothing. All that Luke states here in this account is that Jesus walked right through the crowd and went on his way. He just ignored what was being done. He ignored probably what was being said, because I'm sure there was a lot of things being said, and he just kept it moving. He chose to keep quiet and say nothing. Not a negative word, not a positive word, not a sarcastic, witty comment, which I would like to have heard him say, but he didn't. He chose just simply to stay quiet. And honestly, if we were really thinking through it, sometimes the best thing that we could do in a situation is say nothing at all. Right? Sometimes we really need to choose to stay quiet. To not say anything. Yes, there is always a time for action. Don't hear what I'm not saying. There's always a time for action. There's always a time to speak up and say what needs to be said. And we do it with love and do it with grace. Right? Do it with pure motives. But sometimes our words can do more harm than good. Sometimes we need to learn to just follow Jesus' lead. Say nothing. Say nothing. The next situation that we see Jesus in that he models the importance of our words and how we speak to people is found in Luke 22 as he's being sold out by one of his own disciples and then eventually arrested, right? 
Check it out, Luke 22, starting in verse 47. While he was still speaking, a crowd came up, and the man was called Judas. So we all know Judas, one of the disciples. So Judas was leading the way. One of the 12 was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When Jesus' Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And then one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus answered, no more of this. He touched the man's ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple guard, and the elders who came for him, am I leading a rebellion that you have to come with swords and clubs? Here we see Jesus being betrayed by one of his closest, closest disciples, one of his closest friends. See, Jesus had many, many disciples, but 12 he brought in close. That was his inner circle. See, we've, if you've been around church a lot or any length of time, you know the story where Judas, one of the disciples, sells out Jesus. You know that. But when you really break it down and truly think through it, man, that was, that was part of his family. That was his inner circle. Someone that he discipled, that he mentored, that he cared for, that he was invested in over and over and over again. Someone that he did ministry with, went through the, fought through the trenches with. Sold him out for some coin. And that hurts. I don't know if you've ever experienced anything like that, but from personal experience, man, I can tell you it sucks. Like, I don't know how else to say it. It is not fun when someone that you truly care about and that you've invested in, you've spent time trying to help and assist, and they turn their back on you. That hurts. And it's really hard to want to say positive things. When I've been in those situations, the first thing that pops up into my mind is not positive. It's not life-giving. I can tell you that, just being honest. Because it hurts. That's what Jesus experienced from his closest, man. He even, he even gave Judas a seat at the table in his final meal, knowing that he was going to be betrayed. How much he loved him. He betrayed him. He turned his back on him. But what does Jesus do? How does he respond in that moment? When he was betrayed, he didn't retaliate, right? He didn't lash out verbally. He didn't order his followers to attack with his words. He could have said, he could have spoke one word and said attack and they would have done it. One of them tried to do it anyways when he was telling them not to. He's just swinging a sword like crazy, ready to roll. He didn't do any of that. When he was betrayed by one of his own disciples, Jesus chose to ask questions. He asked questions. Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? To the people that came to arrest him, am I leading a rebellion that you have to come with swords and clubs? He just asked questions. And what would it look like for us what would it look like for you if the next time that someone hurts you or betrays your trust, says some crazy things about you, or maybe just openly disagrees with you, maybe pretty verbally aggressive in their disagreement? Maybe for whatever reason you decided to talk politics or religion with them and it went sideways quick. 
as it can. What if instead of getting upset, matching their frustration level, matching their negative, negativity and negative words, if you just simply asked questions? And not challenging questions, not smart aleck questions, but truly just ask questions trying to understand more of what's going on, why they're feeling that way. Maybe understand their perspective. doesn't mean it's right. doesn't mean you allow them to continue to do that, but maybe you just ask questions. I think people would be caught off guard about that. And you might actually have a productive conversation. Because I tell you, what will not lead to a productive conversation is arguing. It's continuing to go there. So if asking a question isn't there, maybe stay quiet. <laughs> but we can follow Jesus' lead in this. He chose his words wisely, even through the most stressful, darkest times. And the final situation where we see him model this, modeling the importance of our words, it's maybe the most humbling and shocking words that he chooses to say. It's after he's sold out and arrested, wrongfully sentenced to death via crucifixion. And he chooses these words. Luke 23, verse 33 through 34. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said this, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. After all that he had been through, after all that he endured, Jesus chose to speak life. Again, the tongue has the power of life and the power of death. And Jesus chose to speak life, even though they beat him, even though they tortured him, even though they mocked him and they spit on him, even though they were gambling for his clothes right in front of him while he hung on the cross, he spoke life. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. It's just, it's, it's humbling. Because we have one little bitty thing that happens to us and we want to fly off the handle and start saying all kinds of crazy things about people and to people. And there Jesus is saying, Father, forgive them. In the darkest of hours. Life Point Church, I'm telling you, we have to understand that our words and we have to choose our words wisely. We have to. If we're truly going to reach people with the good news about Jesus, our words are important. Our actions are important. But our words and how we speak to others, it is so critical. And you can speak the truth. And the truth isn't always easy to hear. But again, we follow the lead of Jesus. And when he did speak truth, it was typically to the religious leaders and the Pharisees. But he spoke it calmly, wisely, with wisdom, and for a purpose. It wasn't reckless. It wasn't out of control. How you speak to people matter. Your words can either bring life or death.
And as James tells us, no one can tame the tongue. However, the reality is, is this is why we need Jesus. Because without him, we cannot tame the tongue. But with him, when we're connected to him, we have the gift of the Holy Spirit that lives within us. And as the Holy Spirit lives in and through us, we can begin the process of taming the tongue. And you're never going to be perfect. You're never going to arrive, but he will make you more and more and more like Jesus. The more and more that we seek him and keep our eyes fixed on him and learn from him and try our best through his spirit to live like him. We need the Holy Spirit to help us to control our tongues. I need it. (laughs) I need it desperately. I'm what they they call a hothead at times. So this is something that I have fought my entire life. And when I try to do it on my own, fail every single time. Without a doubt. And it's frustrating. And I leave that, that, that spark, right? It sets the forest on fire. Like, man, what did I do? I was trying. No, we have to turn it over to Jesus. We have to trust the Holy Spirit and allow him to change us from the inside out. So we have to begin to tap into that power. The power of the living God that lives within you. You just have to access it. You have to press play on it. And that means you have to spend time with him. And when you do that, your words will change. You'll begin to speak more life than death. And that's when we begin to actually start making an impact in the world around us. Begin to focus on choosing your words. Choose them wisely. Let Holy Spirit lead you in them. Because what you say to others really, really matters. Let's pray. Jesus, we come to you today, and we're just so, so thankful for your love. We're so thankful for your mercy and your grace. Jesus, we're thankful that you give us something to strive for, even though we know it's the ultimate, it's perfection. Jesus, you model it for us so beautifully. And may we follow your lead in these areas, in all these things. We thank you for your word that guides us in how to live. We thank you for the fact that as, as neuroscientists are, are studying the brain and the effects of words, it's really just backing up what your word already says. Jesus, we thank you for that. So may we as a church and as a people speak the words that you want us to speak. We choose our words wisely. Understand, understand truly that our words matter. What we say to other people matters. That if we're going to share your truth with them, we've got to choose our words. Not just in that moment, but before and after. Jesus, change us from the inside out so that we can be more like you. 
As we continue in a spirit of prayer, maybe you're here this morning or you're watching online whenever and, and you've never stepped over that line of faith. When I talk about having that connected relationship with Jesus and the Holy Spirit living within you, you don't really get that because you don't know Jesus. And if that's where you're at, it's okay. Like, we've all been there. But the fact of the matter is this, that God loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for you. To take on your guilt, your shame, and your sin, all your screw-ups and failures, and he took that upon himself so that we could be made right before God. So then when God looks at you, he sees his son Jesus and the victory that he claimed. That's the gospel. Scripture says in Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God rose him from the grave, that you'll be saved. It's not a magic prayer. It's not coming forward to the altar or anything like that. Nothing wrong with those things. But the fact is, is that it's about your heart connecting with his. It's about you saying, Jesus, I believe you are who you say you are. And I know that I need a savior. That I'm flawed and I'm far from perfect. So save me. Confessing and believing. And you can do that right where you're at. However he leads you. If you're here today, you can call out to him or watching right now, wherever you're at. In your chair, in your seat. Driving down the road if you're listening, hopefully not watching. Or if you have questions about that, you can talk to me after the service. You can send us a direct message or a comment. Someone will get in touch with you. But we want to lead you and guide you in this process. Because truly, that's what it's about. That's what we're about, is helping people to come to know Jesus. But maybe you're here this morning and you are a Christ follower. And your words are all over the place. You've been careless with your words. Get it? I've been there. I've been there recently. We've got to understand and always remember that our words matter. Your words are powerful. They're powerful. They could change people's brains. <laughs> That's crazy. They can speak life or it can speak death. And may we be a people that follow Jesus' lead and we speak life. Maybe that means not saying anything at all at times. Maybe it means asking just some great questions. Restoring a relationship. Getting a better understanding of what's going on. Maybe it just simply means speaking love and life. But if that's you... Understand you can't do it on your own, and it has to be led by the Spirit. So ask him to lead you in that. Ask him to change you, and he will. It may be something that you have to go back to over and over again as he changes you slowly over time. But keep going back. It's worth it, because your words matter. Jesus, again, we love you and we thank you. I pray that you would speak to each and every person that's here and that's watching online, that whatever it is that you need them to hear and want them to hear today, that they would hear it from you. Even if it has nothing to do with anything that I've said up here today, that's cool. Jesus, you do your work. And may we be responsive in following your lead. May we be a people and a church that speaks life. For your kingdom's sake and for your glory for your honor and your praise. In Jesus, in your name we pray, amen.
All right, thank you all so much for being here with us once again for LifePoint Online. If this is your first time here with us, thank you all so much for being here and hanging out with us and checking out LifePoint Church. If you'd like more information or if you have any questions, you can either drop a comment below or you can visit us on our website or any of our social media platforms. And if you have questions, just go ahead and ask and someone from our team will get back with you as soon as we possibly can. Also, if you want to continue to worship um, with your tithes and your offerings, or if you just simply want to give to LifePoint Church, you could head over to our website. It's lpc502.com. In the top right-hand corner is an online giving button. If you click it, it takes you to a safe and secure place where you can give. You can also begin to text to give by texting the amount that you want to give to the number 84321. But however you choose to give, we're just so thankful and humbled by the fact that you're on mission and that you're giving back just a portion of what it is that God has blessed you with. Again, thank you all so much for being here with us today. We hope that you'll join us in connecting and doing life online throughout the week. And until next Sunday, we'll see you later. Have a great one.